Welcome back. You are here on The Hollywood Growler. My name is Connor Simpson, and with me always is Dan Kern. We are here on our first official episode of season two. Season two! Woo! So it's the actual first episode, because I'm actually in this episode. This is, the, this is the regular season. Regular season. Before it was the preseason. The pre... Yeah. Stick with the football theme. Football. It's happening soon. <laughs> Pretty sure baseball's still on, but yeah, football too. Oh, come on, man. Um, but anyways, we're at Santa Ana River Brewing, and we were with Mr. Miller, who was nice enough to let us into his nice spot. He ha- He's working off of a smaller system, but he has a great space where it's a warehouse. You can hang out. Um, there's plenty of room to bring the dog, the kids. He's having a lot of rock concerts there. Yes. In the back. He has, uh, he has a lot going on and it's pretty cool to see where, um, he's, he's working by batch. It's not a place where they already have a set, um, basic income, uh, from people investing in the company. It's all off of this guy and it's pretty amazing. What yeah, he is, well, he has one other partner. Yeah, he has one other partner. But they basically started in a garage, and now it's a warehouse. Like they 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 are building it up step by step. That's that's for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of passion behind their project, and it's really fun to talk to these people that are so into what they do for a living. Um, it's it's a great time. It was it's a really interesting in- interview. We learn so much every time from different people of of their techniques, and it's amazing what they're able to share on the episode. Um, so much ex- expertise behind every batch that he does. But and the beer was really, really good. Um, I was actually like coming down with a cold um, like during the recording. I'm just now getting over it. Like It was Monday when we recorded. It's Thursday when we're talking to you right now. And I'm like just now starting to feel better. But um, So maybe it didn't come through on the episode as much as I normally would have. But the beer was spectacular. He's still too close to me talking. And I know. I'm, I'm probably making him sick like right now. Horrible. But anyways, we really hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, there, there's a lot to learn, as always. And um, anything else, Dan? No, uh, just um, if you get a chance to go to Santa Ana River Brewing, uh, you will. Uh, it's worth the trip. You will definitely get to taste some beer if you like pinball, if you like rock and roll, if you play guitar. He's got a couple guitars hanging around the tasting room. Um, they definitely have shows there, and he wanted us to tell you uh, about a show that they're having on August 24th, which is a Saturday, uh, where his band is actually opening up um, for their very first show ever. And then they're having some other bands uh, that they're close friends with. So if you can make it out there on August Saturday, August 24th, you'll hear us talk about that again on the episode. Uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a good time. I have like three fantasy football drafts that day, uh, but I am also going to try and make it out uh, in time to listen to some music. So look for me there too. Cheers. Thank you for joining us again. This is the official first episode of season two of the Hollywood Growler podcast. Connor's here. Everybody give Connor a round of applause. Uh, Yes. Thank (laughs) you. It feels so good to be back in a brewery drinking. It's great. It's been a while. That's a lie, but here here we are. So those of you that have been keeping up, uh, our our last episode was uh, the preseason in honor of preseason football. And um, that was over at uh, All American Brew Works. Uh, we were doing a brew day with Ryan McHugh and making a collab beer, our very first collab beer. So uh, be on the lookout for that. It's going to get poured at the uh, California Craft Brewers Association convention. That is usually in Sacramento, but this year, because 
I guess that re, there's a remodel or something going on where they usually do it in Sacramento. It is going to be down here in Long Beach, Woo. and everybody's very excited about that. So um, tickets are available to the public for, I, I know, for the Saturday where they do their big um, beer fest where all the brewers pour, and that's going to be Saturday, September 14th. So uh, if you get a chance to come on down, you will not be sorry. Remember the last time we told you to come to an event and you kind of whiffed on it, fans. This one is even bigger. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to be pretty exciting. <laughs> um, outside of Did just, I come off as grumpy? You, you're kind of grumpy. I'm but, sorry. You know, I have a little cold. Pardon me. Yeah. Don't listen, <laughs> don't listen to Dan. But um, yeah, it's going to be a great event. Long Beach. I mean, if you haven't been to Long Beach, what are you doing? It's a great town. It's going to be massive. Um, we're going to be there, obviously. And we're actually working on some t-shirts and other merch we're going to try to have at the event. It might get to you, but if you come on by, you will not regret it. I think anybody that's anybody is going to be at that event. So, and it's for, it's just one day or is it multiple days? It's three days for the whole convention. There's a lot of classes and trade show type stuff on the first two days. Um, and then there's sort of like happy hours in the like five o'clock hour where people will be pouring. But the, um, I think the big day for sort of the general public is the Saturday. All right. Um, so we've plugged that event and uh, now it's time to move on. We are here today out at Santa Ana River Brewing Company and we are with uh, Mike Miller, who is uh, the really the be all and the end all here at Santa Ana <laughs> River Brewing Company. Um, and he's been so gracious as to have us out. Say hello, uh, say hello to the fans. Hey, how's it going? Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for having us. It's uh, it's great to get started on our second uh, big batch of episodes, and um, we're really happy to to be here at uh, an up and coming brewery. So thank awesome. you for it's thank you for Miller time or Santa Ana River Brewing. Time. Yeah, it's, it's, you're just gonna confuse. <laughs> now you're gonna get sued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I'm stoked for the first uh, show leading off the season. That's awesome. Yeah, because you know preseason doesn't really count. Like, oh, it counts. Uh, you just missed it. It counted. <laughs> Well, we have, the full, we have the full lineup today, so it's, uh, so to speak. So here we are. But yeah, thanks, Mike. This is awesome. You're, uh, you poured us some half pours to start us out. And what are we drinking here? That is our Dusty Haze, which is a hazy single IPA with mosaic and citra. Hard to go wrong with those hops. You know, pretty awesome. What I've found, it's, it's hard to mess up a mosaic IPA. Yeah, or citra, I think, too. It's, you've got to really try but um, yeah, it was a beer we brewed in collaboration with uh, one of our good friends, Bands, um, who did a show for our grand opening here. Um, they're called Lords of Dust, really good uh, metal band. So we'll be doing some more events with them. We just did one at the Wayfair, which is a venue up in uh, Costa Mesa. Place really cool, awesome. good tap takeover. Nice. So yeah, yeah we're going to be uh, hopefully doing more events there too. I'm sure um, people can follow you guys on social media. What? Uh, yeah. It's Santa Ana River, and I'm sure you're on Insta. Yeah, everything. Santa Ana River Brewing, at or just hashtag more hops than brains. We try to tag everyone, all our posts with that too. Oh right, that's yeah. uh, that's y'all's motto. We've seen that on your Easy Up. More hops than brains. Yeah. I guess that's a. It's not the worst thing to be for for a brewing company. It's probably good. Yeah, it kind of started. I don't know. I think I think the other owner Jeff came up with it one day because as we were talking about maybe doing this to people in the industry, they basically said, "Don't do it. You're gonna hate your life. And you need more money than brains to open a brewery." So <laughs> you know, 
Well, we are out. in California, so it's a little. Yeah, yeah there's <laughs> definitely some paperwork required. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we figured both of us love hoppy beers, so definitely the most expensive part of all our beers is the hops. So <laughs> thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> well, off that tagline, more hops than uh, brains. What was the initial start? What was the brain power for this uh, whole operation? <clears throat> Excuse me, operation you guys got going on here? Yeah, years ago, uh, me and Jeff, the other owner, were roommates in uh, over in Westminster, and we started home brewing. Kind of inspired by the Boonville Beer Fest, I think we were up there for our first year and pretty overwhelmed with how crazy it was and how awesome. Just thinking, man be a great thing to be a brewery and be up here one of these days so i think we just figured the first step was learning how to brew a beer first so, <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, like we were just talking about earlier um we started in our backyard with you know a gatorade cooler mash tun and you know for many in a carboy like probably most home brewers and uh after doing that for a couple years we looked for some more serious equipment and went to uh, probrewer.com, which is a pretty common classified forum for anyone in the industry for used or new equipment. And we uh, saw a more beer uh, beer sculpture that was local pickup only where we were living at the time almost down in Huntington. And it happened to be RIP before they were RIP basically, mm. before they uh, had their three barrel. So we met Ryan over there and Ended up getting that and a couple Blickman conical fermenters. And we uh, ran with that and used that to develop a lot of recipes and uh, do a lot of different events and tastings and festivals all over. So just kind of got addicted to that, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, when you met Rip, or they, they, I believe they still do it, but they have a little beer van of some sort. I Correct. think I asked uh, Skip, who's their uh, tasting room manager, the other day that, uh, about that. I think he said they still do that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Idea. So <laughs> if you're if you can't even make it to the tap room because you've already had a, a bunch of good beer, they'll probably be able to bring you some. <laughs> yeah. For for those of you that don't know, um, this company allows you to rent out essentially this uh, van that has beer in it, and they'll come to your event and like just say you're having a backyard party they'll come and show up and park the van and pour beers out of it. And it's a pretty cool little thing. And I understand that's one of the ways it got started. So it's kind of cool that mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting how everybody starts in a certain way. You got to make money somehow. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. They were kind of like us, just, you know, two homebrewers when they first started. Yeah. Both the Ryans over there. So it's awesome seeing uh, how they've grown over the past few years and how they're, uh, you know, winning awards and making awesome beers. So it's awesome. cool. You know, on the podcast, we haven't really talked about the finances of, um, you know, what it takes to brew a, a bigger batch of beer. Um, I know that uh, when I'm just buying like supplies for about a five gallon batch, you know, after you buy water and everything, if you use uh, Arrowhead for like a five gallon batch, um, you know, you're looking at maybe 50, $60 total for all your supplies. Mm -hmm. um, when you're doing a... Uh, you know, a, a 15 or 20 gallon batch of beer, um, when you kind of take it to the next, next level and you're doing a home brewing on a, on a, let's just say high amateur yeah, level. Yeah. Uh, almost a nano yeah. style brewery, you know? Um, what, uh, 
what are you looking at in terms of poundage for grain and, and cost per pound and cost for that many hops? And what's a general sort of grand total? What's your, uh, what are you um, looking at per batch? Yeah, I'd say most of the beers on that size system were maybe, you know, you could max it out 60 pounds maybe of grain. Mm -hmm. If you want to make maybe a double or something or a, a bigger stout, then, you know, you can always add stuff in the kettle too. Um, but overall total, I feel like at that scale when we we're doing it, our beers were maybe around 150 bucks a batch. But um, for us, a place that was really cool and to this day still helps us out if we're ever uh, short on something, whether it's hops or some nutrients or something, didn't have time to place an order in time. Uh, this Phantom over there, you know, we've been going to them since, basically since we got that system, I think from Riv. And, and they, uh, they, they have their own brew shop and brewery, yeah. correct? And so that if you go there and, you know, I, at least for the, I think for the most part, they're pretty cool in the industry or people trying to get into it. You know, they'll give you a good price. If you just want to bag a two row or something, they aren't going to charge you the same as going and scooping it out. Mm. You know, so, yeah, they're cool. And to this day, you know, we can call them up if we uh, are short on a few pounds of hops or something comes up. Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Like I said little congested today um we were talking about uh this uh for those obviously it's audio and not video this little system that you guys started on in your garage uh that ripped actually had you'd gotten it from rip uh it's pretty impressive it's got a little bit of temperature control it looks like and it's got uh you know your mash ton and your hot liquor kettle i'm sorry your hot liquor tank and your kettle and uh Really, it's just a smaller version of, uh, you know, your manual barrel system mm -hmm. where you just switch over the hoses, right? Yeah. And you have a couple smaller pumps to pump it from one place to the other. Yeah, it's it kind of, I think, gives you a good idea of at least the process of a brewery. You know, you're kind of doing the same steps, essentially. And uh, so I think that helped us, you know, make the next step to where, you know, you're actually around bigger systems. It doesn't look as scary. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's, that's really the trick. Because yeah. like I tell you, the, the big industrial hoses that I was around uh, <clears throat> over the weekend at uh, All-American, it looked very intimidating. You know, even, even after I saw the people there sort of moving one thing from one house. Sorry, there was a fly buzzing around my face. Yeah. From one place <laughs> to another, um, you know, you'd get used to it eventually, but it looks pretty big and looks pretty intimidating as you scale up. Mm -hmm. But uh, the trick is, I guess, to take it one step at a time. Yeah, like I think that was a good middle step for us to go from a Gatorade mash tun and a carboy to that. And then, you know, some conicals, which we also got from Rip, to, you know, using corny kegs and actually kegging beer up rather than, you know, bottle gun or, uh, you know, putting tablets in some bottles that might blow up on you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with those conicals, are you able to reuse your yeast pitch if you uh, if you do it right? Yeah, you definitely could. I don't see why not. We never really did because we weren't, I guess, brewing consistently enough at that point to mm. where we would have that scheduled out. But um, you know, we've done it a few times here on our seven barrel batches, which is which is nice. So, you know, save a little money, and usually it seems like you get a, a better fermentation. Um, so right now you guys have 
a bright tank and four seven barrel fermenters. Yep. And you're brewing your warts over at uh, other friends of the show, Backstreet Brewery, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. Tim and Bob have been really awesome with us and helped us out a lot, giving us a lot of good advice and helping us accommodate our schedule and, and whatnot. Uh, on the Backstreet episode, we talk a lot about uh, late edition hops, and that's something that you guys are, are pushing the envelope on too, right? Yeah, for instance, the hazy I gave you earlier, the dusty haze, um, we didn't use any kettle addition, basically just a flame out. So right at the end of your boil and uh, do a little rest on that and start chilling it. So, you know, it gives you a very low IBU, but, you know, you get some good aroma right off the bat and um, helps you, you know, decide if it's a new beer, maybe what's going to blend with that initial taste you're getting as it's uh, fermenting. Well, it's like clean and it doesn't have that stereotypical uh, yeast punch mm -hmm. that I get from these other hazies, which I appreciate because mm -hmm. I feel those over yeasty uh, hazies or Belgians, I just, I describe the flavor as chewy. I don't, it has this mm -hmm. weird um, flavor to it, but it's very popular. So, I, mm -hmm. you know, I can't talk against it, but my preference is something like this where it's a little more clean. You get the flavors of the hops. Mm -hmm it's not overwhelmed by that yeast flavor. So I, great job on it. Thank you, man. I'm yeah. already almost done with mine. I said <laughs> I was going to go slow, but. No, it's tasty. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, the general population at large isn't used to having a uh, heavier beer that has like a yeasty taste or, or you know, a bigger body. Mm -hmm. You know, they're drinking, but, you know, we always joke in craft circles that what most people are drinking out of a can, you know, from big, macro breweries or for from you know inbev type breweries is you know practically water compared to what we're usually drinking on the mm -hmm. craft beer side uh this is kind of pushing that direction but trying to keep all the flavors on the craft beer side mm -hmm. yeah um i personally like more of a dry mouthfeel for an ipa um, and so you know that comes down to i guess the malt bill a little bit and the yeast, I, we use a lot of White Labs yeast. Mm -hmm. And this was the London Fog, which I like. It's not the most expressive of that mm -hmm. English style yeast, I guess. Um, but the new hazy I've got sitting in tank number three over there, uh, similar grain bill, but I used um, a different strain of yeast from a company up in Oregon that I've never used before. That was recommended by, um, by Rip, actually. Oh. Ian over there was saying he's been liking it and their hazies have been coming out great. So give that a shot. But that, I was uh, taking a sample earlier to get our gravity and do a little dry hopping. And I feel it's a little bit more of an expressive yeast, kind of more, a uh, little what's more the, fruity. What's the brand up in Oregon? Uh, they're called Imperial. All right. Yeah. What's the uh, process of choosing the yeast as far as companies? Because I know there's many choices in a lot of different <laughs> I guess you can say farms or people making these yeast labs, types, labs. Yeah. yeah, lab lab farms, um, <laughs> <laughs> lab meats. Um, but uh, what's your what, what's your approach? Is it just price? Is it location? Is it just based off of who you know and what's recommended to you? Um, for us, we use a lot of white labs because that's what we used for most of the whole brew recipes, and they're down in San Diego, and they also a very cool tap room you can go into and check out their whole facility, all their quality control apps and just see the whole process, which I think is important, whether it's hops or 
and you know even a brewery being able to see the process i think makes you more attached to it absolutely um but there sounds like an episode that should happen in the future oh, i would definitely recommend going down there because their thing is they'll give you a flight say they'll have an ipa or a belgian style so they have the same beer brewed then they split into four fermenters and had four types of yeast so you know you might get an ipa with oh here's our 001 the traditional west coast california ale style and we have an east coast then maybe a belgian and then something totally random like a you know like a whiskey yeast or something oh that's awesome so you can see the same wort the same base beer basically same hops everything both the different yeast so that gives you an understanding of what the yeast really contributes to the beer which is a lot more than i feel like most people think you know yeah brewers know that you know it's definitely important but, i mean but, intellectually we know that but honestly yeah. I, i've never had that experience where it was the same beer brewed with a spectrum of yeasts mm -hmm. so you can actually like yeah and so taste since, the differences that'd be awesome the yeah. dynamic usually is hot changes or mm -hmm. yeah, hot profiles, you know right? hot yeah. profile or fruit added but mm -hmm. i've never yeah. seen a beer come out where it's like oh we use the same Everything. recipe but yeah. it's just different yeast strains so that's pretty cool that's a really interesting thing yeah, they're, they're one of my favorite uh, tap room and tours you can do i think because you learn so much and usually someone in there is one of the brewers or someone very knowledgeable who can break down any questions you have so i think that's a big factor of why we just kind of stuck with white labs mm. um, you know i've tried i have a, one beer in there that i tried some dry yeast with the lager we just did, we tried some dry yeast, which was the first time I've kind of done any of that. So that's um that's something that you have the benefit of being a little bit smaller brewery right now. Um, you're still really pushing the envelope and experimenting a little more than some of the more yeah. established breweries. Yeah, I mean we've we try to keep. I think two of our beers we would consider a flagship that have been our some of our original recipes that we've kind of built maybe some recognition off of or you know people at beer fest have asked for them or emailed us about them and ones we personally like other than that we just try to constantly have new stuff coming because i think to me at least that's why i keep going back to the breweries i love because they always have new stuff up on the board you know it's mm -hmm. like yeah i might love that one of your main beers that's always here but you know you always, always want to try something new too while you're there well, it's an art, you know, you're trying to see yeah. what different ways they can express their work with. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the whole point, I guess, of this whole revolution going on. So what uh, which beers would you say are your two flagship beers that people can expect to see? So definitely the more hops than brains. It's a West Coast double, a little over eight percent, very dry. We do a mix of uh, Simcoe, Mosaic and Citra on that. Very light malt bill, some Pilsner in there. Um, so that definitely is probably our number one seller I think people come in and ask for specifically I'd say and it's a beer I love um, one of my favorite beers to brew and drink also tell and, us about the uh, the hop additions for that because you're using three you said three different kinds of hops on that right uh yeah and the dry hopping we do that with the Simcoe Mosaic Citra popular combo seems like I've seen it at tons of breweries it always seems great um, we do some a mixture of cryo and T90 pellets on that which I really like that cryo product in the boil. For the, I use, for the uh, people at home, what's the difference between the, the pellets and the cryo? So cryo, they will take during the hop harvest around this time, they'll take whole hop cones and instead of 
kilning them and packaging them up in a bale like normal before they pelletize them. They'll run it through a liquid nitrogen extraction. So it freezes the lupulin glands, which are basically, you know, the aroma and flavor profile essential oils from the hop cone. So they're able to isolate that from the vegetative matter. So you're getting really concentrated extract basically of hops. So um, I was showing you earlier, those Simcoe cryo, they just kind of explode out of the bag. Mm -hmm. And especially if you smash them up, you really get a nice um, full profile of what that hops about, I think. And then you usually use a little bit less per pound. So from a brewer's standpoint, you're getting a better flavor and aroma infusion without as much beer loss when you're doing dry hopping. Okay. So I think that's something that helps, you know, that beer be as enjoyable as it is to drink. You beer it, nerds have really figured everything out, haven't you? Yeah, they're really, they're getting there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make that stuff. That's the smart guys up at YCH Hops where we get all our stuff from. <laughs> so when you, uh, when you actually put the hops in, is that all... Uh, after the boil or, are you, or for more hops than brains, are you putting some in the boil to get more IBUs? Yeah, the more hops than brains is, a, I would say, more a little more traditional on its IBU range. We do one at 60, one at 30, one at 15, and then a flame out charge. And then we'll dry hop after we dump yeast. And what, what what's that, a flame out charge? That's, that's, that's the whirlpool, right? Yeah, um, if you don't have a whirlpool, at your brew house, you you know you just basically kill the flame and just do a hop rest, mm -hmm. and then you'll start after that running through your chiller. Okay. So depending on what kind of setup you have, yeah, you're basically not boiling those hops because when you boil them, you're isomerizing the alpha acid and creating more bitterness. So at the end, you can do a big dump without extracting as much bitterness as the 60. So for the two early editions on most of the IPAs, I've been kind of switching over to Warrior. It's a really nice, clean, bittery hop, and it seems like all my favorite breweries, like Beechwood or Rip, they seem to use those. Talking to them about it, uh, it's a compound. I think it's cocumulone in there, and the, it has a basically a sweet spot level lower than a lot of other hops, where you might get kind of almost like an astringent, kind of lingering taste. Mm -hmm. So it's just a great hop for bittering. This is fun to talk about because what people kind of overpass and don't see is the science and the, you know, the different uh, basically ways you can do and make these flavors. I mean, everything you just said is just so much more complicated than I think people understand what <laughs> beer is. There's a lot uh, of sophistication. Some chemistry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's why there's so many chemists that go to brewing and it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a lot more complicated process to make a really good, exquisite, original mm -hmm. beer, what you guys and all these other um small time breweries are doing so um it's pretty interesting when you put in those uh terms and perspectives and so knowing all that what is your like with the what what was the name of the hops oh more hops and brains more hops and brains so you said you take the oils from that particular process and do you just do the straight extract or what it looks i've got some right here i can show you that Oh. They still end up pelletizing it, right? Yeah, they still end up pelletizing it, but it's a lot finer form. Okay. So you take some of that and just kind of oh, I see. smash yeah. it up. You'll get a really good, that's Simcoe right there, so you'll get a great 
idea of what Simcoe is all about. I guess we're free to say this since it's legal in California now. This is more Keithy. Exactly. Yeah, um, for those of you who might mm -hmm. be into different types of uh, marijuana, this is, a Keith is like a sort of a hashier powder that's more concentrated than then, what you might smoke. Imagine if you took your nug and rolled it in basically Keith. That's yeah, kind of yeah. what these pellets look like mm -hmm. and smell like too. I yeah, so yeah, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> probably wouldn't be able to taste beer for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that was a new product. It's only been around for maybe I want to say maybe three years. And uh, originally they had just powderized it, so like you said, it did just look like a huge brick of keef when you got it. Yeah. But um, they found it wouldn't really sink into the solution as easily. It would basically float on the top, so brewers weren't too happy with the results it was imparting to it. So they started pelletizing in a looser form, and that seemed to help it disperse a lot better. Yeah, because it would be more surface area, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that makes a big difference. I mean... Yeah, and then they just kind of swell up, and then it starts dissolving. Like, you could throw it in a beer and kind of watch what it does. And you want to um, avoid, even when you dump your just your regular hot pellets into uh, your kettle... You want to sort of avoid it clumping up anyway. You want to, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to do that a little bit. It's going to kind of puff up a little bit because that's just what they do. Yeah. But you want to make sure the, the wort gets to all of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's awesome. So, for your, what about your other beer? That's your other flagship. Oh, yes. Um, the other one we've been brewing, probably one of our original recipes. I think I mentioned that me and the other owner were roommates at the time in Westminster, mm -hmm. pretty close to here. And we were in a park called Little Saigon, right off of Bolsa Avenue. And there's tons of different Vietnamese pho places and banh mi and coffee shops. So a lot of times we would go get the Vietnamese iced coffee. I don't know if you guys have had that. Yes. But, um, it's not coffee. It's no. drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Liquid crack. <laughs> so they call it Cafe Suda. A lot of drug talk today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we are in Santa Ana. There's dispensaries in any direction you walk from here so <laughs> <laughs> but um so we really like that you know like you said it has a, a big caffeine burst to it more than you would think from a normal cup of coffee and basically how they make it for people who haven't tried it they take a, a really dark roast darker than a french roast which if you're familiar with that is already pretty dark they call it um, a double french i think something like that and um They'll take that, make a concentrated coffee, pour it over ice, and then they add condensed milk to it so you get some sweetness out of it. Um, so you're getting this very sweet but very roasty, rich flavor. So we tried to do that, and our idea was to make a milk stout and then essentially cold brew Vietnamese coffee in the fermenter for a couple days. And we found a place right around the corner. They're called uh, Delta Roasters. They're open to the public. Really nice, cool guys, tons of different coffee varieties to choose from. And uh, they make this particular blend for a lot of these restaurants. So, you know, we'll basically go there, buy a bunch of pounds of beans, and we'll throw it in uh, basically a big silk screen bag, let it soak in our bright tank for two days. And uh, it seems like probably been our second most popular beer. Do you grind the beans first or you throw them in whole? When we were on doing a small scale, we had done that. And then we weren't getting very consistent results. Sometimes you get a lot of bitterness out of it or some 
maybe a more stringency, better word. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved to the big system, we talked to one of our friends, uh, Kevin, he's head brewer over at Gunwales. And um, he told us how they did their uh, method on their coffee stout, which I really liked. It was a milk stout at the time. And so he just told us kind of their per barrel average they use and his method. So we just kind of did that and it turned out great. So we've just been running with that. Well, if you don't mind sharing a little bit, um, what's in, if you're not grinding them up all the way, what's uh, what's sort of the method you sleep? We just do whole bean coffee. Okay. So we just take, you know, I think for our seven barrel batch, I was using 15 pounds and just put it in these couple big bags and I just hang it from our CIP uh, ball inside there so it doesn't, as you're dropping, you don't want it to clog up where you're kegging it from. So it'll just kind of dangle in there. And it seems like about two days is perfect. So it kind of steeps in there. Yeah. At the, Basically I mean, cold still, brewing. Yeah. So yeah, that, the, yeah, I was going to say that cold, right? I mean, I it's still it pretty at, hot when it gets in there, right? Well, I do it at crash temps. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So I do it at you know, 35. So you do like a true, a true, um, like you said, cold brew. You make mm -hmm. a true yeah, cold brew in the beer and, and you put it in the beer like that. That's, that's neat. Cause, yeah. um, do you ever consider, I don't know, maintaining and doing the bean control yourself? Oh, uh, roasting our own yeah. type thing, modern time style? Or, yeah, I understand. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that would be really cool. Because I understand a lot, of, a lot of breweries want to do that, but it's a lot more steps than it seems. Oh, like yeah. you got to get some serious equipment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you ever, uh, I, I know you said you were doing it at Crash Temps, have you uh, you or other breweries um, done like, you know, so long at this temperature for the steeping of the coffee beans and so long at this temperature mm -hmm. then so long at crash jumps? I'm sure there have. I personally don't know of any. I know of some breweries that will make or buy, I've heard from a cold brew company, basically just buy a corny keg or something of their cold brew and just shoot into their fermenter. Oh yeah. So they aren't even really steeping it. Right. Uh, so yeah, that'd be a shortcut for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I've heard of people doing that. I haven't tried that maybe once when we were home brewing, actually trying to make coffee separate and adding it. Just I just felt it didn't really give a ton of character. And mm -hmm. for, since you've had Vietnamese coffee, you know that the, the coffee is just pretty roasty over the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can smell it from across the, the table. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, it's that's the effect impressive. you're trying to get out of the beer is yeah, the big nose just, and yeah. the big burst, mm -hmm. right? That's awesome. It seems like you guys yeah. are very crafty with everything that you try to do here. So. We're going to have to start a whole separate podcast for coffee, though, I swear. I know. It, it's every such point. a recurring theme with yeah. all the brewers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, I'd I, say almost every brewery has a coffee porter or yeah. a stout or something. Well, I, th I think I've said on the podcast before, but I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that the beer and coffee have the same acidity levels mm. or similar. So that's why it goes so well together, the mm. flavors. So when okay. you, you know, so when you combine those two, you're almost always going to have a satisfying result if you're into coffee, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's why people put it into IPAs. I mean, I've seen some crazy yeah. beers that you would never think coffee would go into. And you mm -hmm. try it and you go, oh my God, actually works. I tried it, it works. Yeah, so. I tried a coffee cold show and brought us the other day from some Arizona brewery. That was actually pretty good. Yeah. It kind of, you know, some of those... Uh, what do they call them? The golden stouts with coffee. Those are pretty yeah. good, you know? Yeah, kind of like the naughty sauce type of yeah, style. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Awesome. So it's definitely a cool ingredient to use in any style, but I think most people associate it with the roastiness of a stout. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of 
kind of meant to be together. It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like saying Guinness is like a, a strong beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not entirely true. <laughs> oh, that's what that's a kind of. I don't know if we covered that. What's the base beer on the um, on the coffee? Oh, it's um, pretty very simple milk stout recipe. It's just under seven percent. So I think that's a good range. And then um, we use lactose in the boil. And then I will also add some lactose into the bright when I'm adding the coffee too. Kind of depending on the batch sometimes, you know, if it's a little bit thinner, add a little, you know, there's definitely a little bit of variation, it seems like. So the lactose, uh, what's, what's the effect you're going for with that? So lactose is milk sugar, and it's something that normal beer yeast can't break down because it's complex sugar. I think that's why. Mm. So it'll stay there. So instead of say your final gravity being, you know, 10.08, it might be 10.2 or something where for an IPA that you definitely want way lower than that. Otherwise yeah. it means something happened. Your fermentation didn't work out. Didn't complete. Yeah. So most milk sounds, if you look at the stats, I think they're about 10.20 to 10.24. So we're usually somewhere right in that range. So the overall effect is to uh, make it a little bit thicker tasting? That, and it, I think it creates a little bit of a silky mouthfeel. Yeah. And we also, in the tap room, we put it on nitro, which oh. I think also helps. And nitro doesn't have any bitterness, which I think CO2 has a little bit of bitterness. It'll contribute to the beer. Mm. CO2 actually will blend into the liquid solution. The water, the nitro more just is creating head pressure and yeah. then pumping it through the sparkler. So you're kind of sweetening it or creating that perception of sweeter than you would expect, I guess. I think we've talked about it before, but could you explain the nitrogen effect exactly in the, in the terms of what it does to the molecules or what how it affects the actual liquid? Yeah, so CO2 is water soluble, so it actually goes into the beer itself and mixes in with it, so you're carbonating it. Where nitro, at least everyone I've talked to and at least our method, I should say more is we have a blend of nitro and CO2 in a tank. So when we carb through our carb stone, you're getting it to the same pressure, but it's a low percentage of CO2 in there. So it's kind of like an undercarbed beer. If you were just put on tap, it would be pretty flat because <clears throat> nitrogen isn't water soluble. So it doesn't get into the solution. So as you keg it and you hook it up to your tank to the, you know, the little fancy nitrogen spigot, has that kind of little cone inside there. If you broke it apart, there's a little sprinkler head has a bunch of little kind of pinholes in it. So the nitrogen is just creating head pressure that's pushing it through that sprinkler head. And that's what's creating that cascade in that foam. Hmm. So it's not really carbonated or it's under carbed compared okay. to a normal beer. Okay. And do you know the percentages of the average gas intakes like 30, 70 or there's that 75 25 is what we use i think okay yeah i think i know something it, around yeah it's right like around, around that there. range yeah. but i know people like to mess with that mm -hmm. percentage so and the effect generally is to, to for whatever reason it makes it more creamy do we know exactly yeah. why that happens i think it's because it's not as carbonated so it doesn't have the effervescence of the co2 creating it so it's still thick but with less bubbles basically. yeah exactly and then you're um I don't know the exact science of why it creates that full cascade effect. Obviously, I think that's a selling point. Yeah, <laughs> so people good. just like people come in here. And right now we have CO2 and nitro 
kegs of it on tap because our first batch, a lot of people wanted to get growler fills of it, but can't really do growler fills on nitro because when they get home, they're just going to have a flat beer and they're right. probably going to be pissed at you and write a bad Yelp review or something. Yeah. yeah. So then we, we kegged some of the some of the batch this time with CO2 so people could come in to get growlers of it. So you got more hops than brains as the flagship uh, IPA. And then I'm sorry, what was the milk stout called again? Uh, Saigon Stout. Saigon Stout. Okay. Yep. And that is definitely uh, a, a homage to the little Saigon area in Westminster. Yes, which, uh, definitely. If you've ever been there, there's some good shopping, some good food. Yeah. Uh, if you have any interest in Vietnamese culture whatsoever, that's not a bad place to start. Yep. It's an awesome place. Uh, and that's uh, kind of in the heart of Orange County, kind of between Westminster and uh, I guess it's more sort of a little bit more inland, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're we're in Santa Ana, so they're about five miles from us at the most. Pretty yeah. close. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that's always a good time. Okay, so those are the two flagship beers that you can get almost all the time at Santa Ana River Brewing Company. Um, let's talk about uh, what's new. What's uh, you know the the fancy new beer that you're pushing uh, next? Let's see. When you guys came in, I was doing some cellar work, doing some dry hopping, and pulling some yeast off some new beers. So we have a new double IPA that is uh, West Coast style. Going to be really dry. I was just checking our final gravity, and um, it's going to be a very dry beer. And that one, I put some Simcoe cryo powder and some Amarillo hops in. I think that should be a nice blend. I've never done that specific blend before. And then I also have a new Hazy IPA, which I'm planning to dry hop with uh, Equinot and some Cascade, I'm thinking. And that's with the new yeast I was telling about from uh, the Oregon company. Oregon, yeah. So it should be interesting seeing how that turns out. What uh, you keep saying, um, like a drier profile. Um, for those of you who maybe think of dry and sweet in terms of wine a little bit more, um, maybe a big commercial example of a drier IPA or a drier finish is going to be sort of the Russian River style. They they yeah. usually have a really like dry, silky finish um, on some of their IPAs, and uh, in a way that style is kind of chasing that because I don't know what they do up there, but everybody seems to like it. Mm -hmm. But um, down here uh, in Orange County, that's gotten more popular. Um, what are some of the techniques you use to get a drier finish? See, um, first step would be during the mash, do a lower mash temp, creates uh, simple chain sugars, easier for the yeast to break down more efficiently. So, you know, we shoot for a pretty low mash temperature for most of our West Coast style beers. So, I usually go for 148 to 150 range. No so like for, for those of us uh, who aren't everyday brewers, your mash temp, your mash is when you're putting all your grains into the mash tun and putting mm -hmm. the hot water in it and steeping the grains, mm -hmm. kind of like you would make tea almost. Mm -hmm. um, so in sort of a normal mash temp is sort of mid-150s to high-150s, right? Yeah, I would say stouts and thicker beers you might want a little bit hot in the higher end and West Coast style to me, or if you're doing something a real light beer you want to go towards the other end maybe around 150 or a little lower what's um what's the lowest you can go before the grains just kind of don't steep anymore i don't know the technical cutoff point of that i've never really gone below 148 
Because you don't really want to waste, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, I definitely try to talk to as many brewers as I can and, and read. So that's what I've, different things I've heard and talked to people about. It seems kind of like the lower end of the range you'd want to push. Yeah. And then uh, 10 degrees higher than that at the most for uh, trying to create those uh, more complex sugar chains that it's going to give you more of a mouthfeel for, say, a stout or yeah. something like that. Um, and then if you go too high with it, that's when you start to get like those astringent yeah, the flavors. The tannins coming yeah. out of there and you're going to get some weird lingering uh, aftertaste, which has been, you know, bummer if you're, that's the first step of your beer and it's already off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> gonna, that's right. Then you're going to spend a couple of weeks taking care of it and then you'd be bummed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's never a good good outcome no and that's you know if you think about it it's um kind of unforgiving i mean a 10 10 degree range when you're talking about you know heating up water you know almost not quite to boiling that's kind of unforgiving you know yeah. you kind of have to calibrate your yeah, equipment you have to bullseye it just a little bit <laughs> yeah um how do you do that i mean you, do, you don't really have temperature controls on um, your mash tun you usually have to like keep track of it and put your temperature probe in there right mm -hmm. you can do that and then since I'm, I've worked on our small batch system, I kind of know per pound the amount of degree I would want our strike water to be at and how much it's going to change. Maybe a little bit of the ambient temperature. If it's if it's a very cold day, you might want to change that a little bit. Um, on the bigger systems, it's more about, I think, just knowing the temperature coming in and the amount of grain. Um, so I think every system is probably a little bit different. You're going to have to figure out what that range is depending on the manufacturer of the mash tun things like that just have so to get used to your equipment kind yeah of. that's that's the other good thing about southern california is you know uh most of the time you can count on the temperature around here to be mostly predictable at yeah. least at a certain time mm -hmm. of day you know yeah um so th let's see another way we kind of try to get a more dryness definitely the type of yeast you're going to use they call it um, the attenuation, which I, that basically means the amount, the percentage of that solution that it's going to be able to break down the range of that into ethanol and CO2. So there's some yeast, say an English style yeast, might be not as attenuative as a West Coast California style yeast. So that's a big part of it. A little bit of your water chemistry for sure. There's things you can add to get more of a crispness i think um aren't most people adding uh something to make the water go down a couple of uh steps in terms of ph isn't that helping pH? also yeah that definitely depends on your overall uh, water profile and the types of grains you're using so that's kind of almost recipe or style specific so yeah we use a little bit of you can use phosphoric acid you can use some type of malts that are acidulated and you kind of just calculate based on your volume, your water profile, trying to get into that perfect range of pH to where, because pH is another thing where you can start getting some weird flavors out of your mash, definitely. Mm. Um, so that's right, sort of right from the beginning, you're really concentrating on what you're doing right at the beginning to uh, basically create a foundation to end up where you're going in terms of uh your finish mm -hmm. uh what's sort of the oh my gosh santa's on the roof oh, here. Yeah. Yeah. we have some uh self-storage above us so oh i was gonna ask yeah. people, 
It's not oh, like this gremlins the, up there. <laughs> this, is the, this is the part of the show where I remind the audience that we actually go out to the breweries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's, you know, these are industrial areas and sometimes there's not traffic. A, not a sound studio? No. <laughs> we, are not, yeah. we are not in the sound booth. We are, we are actually in the brewery room right now. <laughs> so, so. If, a, if a refrigerator comes through the roof because somebody's self-storing it up there. Uh, well, that would be a pretty viral uh, podcast probably yeah maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe our families will be well off after that one yeah <laughs> seems like i don't know i just had a vision of like a like a sylvester and tweety bird cartoon like a piano coming yeah, through like, <laughs> well, why is that guy storing anvils <laughs> <laughs> not again why the coyote sticks his face out through the hole it's like whoops well we're actually at 45 anyways so do we want to take a quick breather and then get back into it yeah uh do we have a couple more beers to yeah. uh, to try today yeah, yeah so maybe you could try um i got the stout i actually just ran out of the flagship but it'll be it's in that tank over there that'll be oh, we can pour it out of the tank that's fine yeah. <laughs> all right we're gonna take a five and um you'll hear a commercial but um when we come back we're gonna try a couple more beers and we're gonna continue our conversation with uh with mike miller from santa Ana river brewing company thanks again see you in a minute Welcome back to the Hollywood Growler. We're here at Santa Ana River Brewing, and Mike here has poured us some more beer. So things get a little slurry. That's just what happens on this podcast. If you've been listening, <laughs> you know. But um, we were just looking at uh, a graduated cylinder of a new double IPA you're brewing. Uh, it has no name yet, and it looks like the yeast had eaten all the sugars you were saying. So yeah we're pretty Expand close on to that we're almost at um, zero play-doh on that and i think it's due to our malt bill some of the things we were talking about earlier on how to create dryness but for this particular beer we used a yeast called the san diego super yeast from white labs chargers fans will like this yeast yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Super yeast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just seems uh, seems like it really rips through everything. Uh, both times we've used it. We used it in a triple IPA and we use it in this. And it seems like both times it's gotten down to eating pretty much everything that I had in there. So I think it's a really cool yeast, creates, you know, very dry uh, mouth body beer. You know, it's just uh, to me, which I like a lot of crispness, dryness, just let the hops come out. So we've been talking more and more about yeast lately. Um, you were saying this was a mutated version of their uh, sort of standard 001 California ale yeast. Yeah, that's what I remember them telling me when I went on the tour years ago, that it was a, a more aggressive, more alcohol tolerant yeast. Hmm. So good for things like doubles, triples. So we've used it a few times and been very happy with the results. Yeah. Um, we are, we talked a little bit about the uh, Saigon Stout, which is the Vietnamese coffee stout. Uh, and you also poured us uh, your new lager. Does it have a name? Yeah, the new uh, lager, I call it a Mexican style lager because we're not in Mexico. <laughs> it's fair enough. I was going to say, um, it does have a Modelo-esque flavor. Um, Where's my lime? So we call it Agua del Rio, which means basically river water. That's so good. We That's good. That That's funny. funny. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Where is the Santa Ana River, by the way? 
you guys probably drove over it, right? So it was basically, if you went to that cafe there, you're right up against it. Yeah, that's, so the, you that's could, the windy uh, road between you could, the two blocks. It's a yeah. beautiful sight. So much nature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if yeah. you're not from around here, that is uh, the reason we're laughing at that is because it's not so much a river as it is a concrete canal um, of sorts, but they call yeah. it the Santa Ana River. So I guess well, it's a river at some point. <laughs> well, our lawyer, when we were first getting trademarks done for the name, he called and asked if we really wanted to name a brewery after a concrete bed that runs by the stadium. I said, yeah. <laughs> sure did. That's a, but, A, nobody else is using it, I'm quite certain. And uh, B, yeah. you know, we you're pretty much next door. So. <laughs> and funny enough, we actually picked the name long before we had our building. Oh, right so, on. If you, when you come into our tap room right at the front, there's a bunch of pictures from the 1938 flood. Oh. Before it was dammed up in El Prado, Norco area. Mm -hmm. Are you telling me it actually used to be an actual river? Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, that's what you get for being a uh, non California native. (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah, up till 1938, they had a few floods that wiped out the whole farming industry in the area, killed a bunch of people, destroyed infrastructure. Wow. And the last one they had was 1938, and it inspired them to build a dam up in Norco called the El Prado Dam. So beyond that point, it's actually still nature. It goes all the way up to the San Bernardino Mountains, and it has the biggest watershed in Southern California. Oh, wow. So if that dam did break. Oh, yeah. A lot of people would be, um, yeah. Then it would be nature. Then it would be nature. Yeah. So, well, all right yeah. that's good I, I, had, yeah. I seriously had no idea you, i always thought said, it was kind of a sick joke that that was like not at all a river oh and you you live in anaheim you said yeah yeah so anaheim means basically home by the santa Ana river in germany oh okay so right, it then, used yeah. to be that's you know how what built this area was it supplied so much agriculture and people were able to live here and then it kept flooding and killing everyone. So they decided they needed to put an end to it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it took them, you know, 10 years plus to build that dam after the 38 flood. But there's some cool pictures before you guys leave up front to check out for sure. It's kind of unbelievable. You can see, well, that's where Garden Grove is. That's where Fairview is. And it's just leveled. So, um, so what you're saying is we're not urban folk, we're river folk. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yep. <laughs> so you heard it here first. You can't yeah. call us urban. You can, you can definitely call us the river for short. A lot of people do that. Going to the river. <laughs> Going down to the river. Uh, that's a good segue into some of your decor. Um, you guys have a have a good uh, classic rock and uh, hard rock uh, theme going on. Uh, in your front room uh, and uh, scattered around the bathroom right here. There. Yeah, uh, <laughs> since, again, since this is audio and not video, um, in place of your traditional employees must wash hands before returning to work, there's a Slayer-themed sign that says employers must carve Slayer into forearms before returning to work. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I guess you have to be a fan of the band to get that's, that. But it's that's our cool. whole interview process. If you do that, we'll definitely give you yeah, a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you're a big enough Slayer head, you can work yeah. here. No can problem. I, can I borrow your knife? Yeah, uh, you don't even like beer? That's fine. Why yeah. don't you do that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Are there very many straight-edge Slayer people? I think they trend towards I don't think the, so. uh, the yeah. more... No. The more inviting right, side, yeah. of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you've got a really cool Jimi Hendrix poster and a very cool uh, ZZ Top print out uh, over the bar. Um, and uh, I noticed that you had a couple of uh, acoustic guitars uh, 
kind of in the corner where anybody might grab them and hang out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in no, your tap room. Don't be that guy. Yeah. No, I, I, I want people gonna, to be that guy. I wasn't going to do it during the podcast. I wasn't going to do it during the podcast. Connor was uh, terrified that I was about to break into song. He but, usually uh, does. He always at my. He always does at my house. Yeah. <laughs> Neighbors start throwing cans. It's it's a sight. And, and cats occasionally. <laughs> um, but uh, Mike plays guitar, uh, and uh, he tends toward classic rock and metal also. So, uh, do you have a uh, any? Any crossover rock and roll brewery experiences that you want to relay? Well, we are doing a concert with a few local metal bands here on the 24th, including my band. So you guys can come see that. Oh, that'd be awesome. It's basically going to be our first show. So it could be really good or it could be really hilarious. You know, it's, a, it's worth coming out for. Yeah. <laughs> Train wreck shows are sometimes memorable. Yeah. Yes. So we'll see how it goes, but it'll be our fourth event. We've done one every month since April. Okay. I'm um, working with a really good friend of mine. His band's called the beach city Cowboys. And, um, I feel like I've heard that band. Are they, we heard they them at the lot? event, right? Yeah. The, um, the invitation. Oh, the pallet. Oh, pallet. That's where oh, yeah. they were at the pallet. Yeah. That's so why. he yeah. was at that too. So he did hear them. So he kind of helps organize it, runs all the uh, PA and, and all that for me. And every time we've had about four bands, all local cool bands that either come to the brewery or, or I know through various avenues. And um, so this one's going to be more of like a hard rock, heavy or metal theme. And we'll have a really good food truck out there. Our boys, uh, Tacos El Gringo, which are here every Tuesday on our Taco Trivia Tuesday. So we like alliteration, like everyone. And, um, uh, you know, the 24th should be a good time. There's no tickets required. We're open normal hours, just a lot more cool stuff. I have a bunch of new beers on tap. We'll usually release something special for these events. So since that's a recurring event, people can catch up with that on your website? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, best ways to keep up with our uh, our current events going on. We're, uh, uh, again, uh, since we're audio... Their setup is kind of a, a warehouse setup that goes straight back from the storefront. Uh, where do you guys have the bands? Usually we'll set up a large size easy up right outside the warehouse door, set up the PAs right inside, and then you know, they can kind of jam out towards that area, move some of these tables around. Since there's not really any homes around, you don't get any noise complaints or anything. Exactly. So and there we're lucky is. that all the neighboring businesses don't really do anything on the weekends. They're more of weekday businesses. So perfect. No one's complained yet. Everyone's everyone's cool. That's <laughs> Knock good. on wood a little bit. But yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> so that's cool. You that's know. very cool. Yeah. Well, Dan's a vocalist himself. Uh, so. We can talk about that at a different podcast. That's yeah, all right. Yeah. If you got a band, you know, I'd be happy to have you. Um, <laughs> we'll see if uh, we'll see Jeff and Rob uh, follow through, and we actually do get back together. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I do want to do an open mic night monthly or something. I think that'd be cool. Too. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, Maybe a like Wednesday that. or Sunday. Can uh, I come read my poetry? Oh yeah, my you could do some slam poetry. You know, <laughs> could, get some bongo drums. Maybe like some rain sticks. I mean, it'd be perfect. <laughs> I can imagine it now. <laughs> Okay. It's an open mic. You can do whatever you want. Do, what you're, do whatever you like. Yeah. <laughs> um, my wife works retail and she had um, somebody come in one time uh, just wearing sneakers. And she was literally only wearing sneakers. And she uh, had like painted on her Ethiopia needs water. 
and she like ran through the store screaming, Ethiopia needs water, Ethiopia needs water. It was like performance art protest type thing. And it wasn't really organized. It was just like at a regular mall. So that lady was very committed. That's pretty intense. Yeah, but I think she should save that for open mic. Was that a mall around here? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> I, think it was, I think she was working um, in Orange at the time. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So was it, was it avant-garde or was it a crazy lady? We'll never know. I think what's Jimi the Hendrix had an influence <laughs> over there. It's the power of Jimmy coming through. Yeah. <laughs> but that's great that um, you guys are able to do that. Um, what uh, what kind of band have you put together? If it's going to be your first real show, it's got to be a, sort of in the nascent yeah, uh, stages. Yeah, more of a definitely heavier metal kind of band. Do you scream? Yep. I do oh the my God. And the guitar. We have to become 100% now. <laughs> All right. I'm so into that. Okay. Yeah, like I said, there'll be new beers too. So it'll, you know, if you drink enough of them, it'll seem really good. Uh, yeah. yeah, I always say that the drunker you are, the better we sound. Yeah, yeah I, used, so, I say that all the time. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be our first show, but even if we blow it, there's a bunch of other good bands, you know, and, uh, you know, we, me and my buddies were lucky. We've shared a studio for close to a couple of years now. So we've been working on stuff for a while, just having fun. Um, but Ooh, as far as coffee. other, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can get it out of there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I tried the, I had been sipping on the lager first because I didn't want to blow my palate while we talked about the lager. Yeah, but I uh, no just joke. took a hit of the coffee. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the, the first beer I gave you, the Dusty Haze, that's a band, a real good friend of mine. They're called Lords of Dust. Mm-hmm. Great kind of bluesy, hard rock, stoner metal band. And oh, Sounds um, like it'd be right up my alley. That's yeah. Good. Same, same. Being sarcastic? No, I'm not. I was being dead serious. Sorry, that happens sometimes. Even with close friends, people can't tell if I'm being sarcastic or not. It's like a disease. You'll understand when you see us at the show. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're working on cool stuff with them, trying to make a T-shirt, and then we want to rebrew the beer again because it went over real well at the Wayfair, like I was saying at that show. Do another event there, and then down the road, we're hoping to turn that into hopefully our first can release, little collab. Oh, perfect. Them. Um, yeah, and, yeah, that was uh, actually one of my next questions. Cans, bottles? I'd love to do some can releases. I'm hoping by the end of the year, we'll be at that point. Ooh. We can uh, get that going. Um, recently, we did a thing up at the Garden Amphitheater in Garden Grove. And it was uh, a bunch of old school punk bands, uh, adolescents, Death by Stereo, stuff like that. Oh, awesome. So that was a cool event, good contact to make. They said they'd be up to doing similar something you know tap takeover kind of concert festival thing there too so i'm all about incorporating music as much as i can i was gonna say this is gonna be quite a rock and roll brewery if you keep it up yeah that's very cool yeah so you're gonna take that music route so outside of um you said the wayfair which rocks out the place is awesome for shows by the way if you haven't gone Mm -hmm. uh are you guys gonna try uh, different other venues that you thought about what is the one over here the uh, observatory the observatory I've been trying to bug them for a while so yeah, someone needs to call me from them okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'd love to uh, get some beer in there to start with and then maybe do some some type of festival yeah take, well they've been thing too after their remodel from when they used to be the galaxy they yeah they built that up a lot um, yeah and, and they're owned they by live nation now too though so that's uh, a pretty uh, big so maybe harbor's got to buy the balls or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah honestly that might be yeah might well, be a tough thing who knows these ticket companies keep ruining concerts <laughs> um there is another one chain reaction uh i know well, they're all ages they're they are all ages but that's all ages 
Do they serve beer there? I don't think they must. I haven't been there in a long time. I haven't either, so. That's what we gotta do though. We gotta have like an old people take over chain reaction thing and we'll, we'll and be get a perfect. bill that's like all uh, like face to face and stuff like that. Yeah, that are, like, yeah. Old school yeah. punk bands. That'd yeah. be cool. I, I hung out there a lot in high school, so I don't know what it's like now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the same. It's probably just the room. Yeah, probably just a little bit shittier. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, a few more stains on the walls. Oh my God. Like now instead of one screw on the bathroom stall door, there's just none just on the floor. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're gonna have to tuck into chain reaction to see if we're defaming them or not. <laughs> Shout out. We can just edit that out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sadly enough, we don't really do much of that on this oh, podcast. Live? Oh live? Yeah, oh no. <laughs> we usually keep it pretty raw. <laughs> so we'll have to see. Shout out to chain reaction. Thanks for the memories in high school. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's yet one more reason that you really want to come by Santa Ana River Brewing Company if they're gonna uh, have some impromptu show. Well, not impromptu, but have some uh, shows with um, some bands that you might not get to hear otherwise. Some local bands. Yeah. Uh, if you're if that's your scene, then you definitely want to come down and, and check it out. Yeah, we've had. Um we've had some vinyl DJs come in. So, you know, we're open to anything cool, anything music, you know, we just had a cool yoga class here yesterday that went over good. So, you know, any, anything in the community, local people that we can bring in and make them part of the experience and enjoy some good beers and meet some new people. That's all about that. So you, did be, that, you did that yesterday or Saturday? Uh, the yoga was Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Right on. Yeah. That seems to be a theme. I mean, uh, as far as the breweries we've gone to, they try to do whatever they can with the community, with activities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't really think beer and yoga, but apparently that's a pretty trendy thing yeah. nowadays. So well, you have people sweating their butts off doing acrobatics. Yeah. And I've then they seen drink a, at your bar after. So Yeah, before and after. <laughs> before too? <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. It's a very that. mellow yoga session. They okay. aren't doing pretzels or anything. I, <laughs> I, I tried doing <laughs> yoga once and I... It's hard, man. It's 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 hot and it's hard. There's a great T-shirt um, graphic that says Irish yoga, and it's a bunch of drunk people passed out in various positions. <laughs> that always uh, halfway off a bar. Yeah, yeah. I've, almost, I've almost bought that T-shirt more than once. It's so funny. So I know some breweries. I've seen them down in San Diego do a a metal in yoga, so they'll play death metal and do yoga. Oh, dude, so. that seems. Yeah, counterintuitive, maybe yeah, a little at bit. At least, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. But maybe that's where you get the Zen part. You know? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. I did read some article that says people who listen to metal are actually happier. Um, so I read the opposite. I heard they're like sociopaths, but you know, <laughs> same, same, but different. <laughs> Reading. Well, to, you know, did you go to Fox News or did you go yeah, to was like, did you stop reading your mom's yeah, magazine? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Reddit. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Thanks, Reddit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure metal makes you a little mellower. <laughs> Where it works out. It's like a good sweat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you you heard it here at Santa Ana River Brewing. If you're a metalhead, um, come have a conversation with Mike here because uh, he has a lot to say and apparently he's a calm dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's chill. Yeah, yeah that was chill. actually what I was going to say. Is that it's very laid back um, here. Uh, this is uh, it's it's clean That's and bright for. in our space uh, back here, but it is um, also very very chill. Uh, it's just um, it's it's simple and comfortable at the same time, which um, is 
not always the case. It's hard to strike that balance, and um, that's definitely the feeling that we're getting this afternoon. So thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, likewise as you. I think uh, cozy is an appropriate word in here. It's uh, the the tanks are right next to you. Um, they have some benches in the middle here. That's where we're hanging out and kind of in the middle of the whole mix here. So it's it's yeah, you're definitely in the center of the process when yeah. you're coming to their tasting room. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's a it's a cool little uh, cool little spot. So and you got a TV there to watch our Rams beat the Saints. Oh, um, come on, man. <laughs> We had gotten through the whole podcast without talking politics. <laughs> no, I was bringing up the politics. No, uh, for those of you that um, don't know, I don't know if we've actually talked about this in the podcast. Uh, Connor is a big Rams fan, and since I grew up in New Orleans, uh, I'm a big Saints fan. So there's a little bit um, of a <laughs> holdover from the way the NFC Championship game ended last year. Uh, one of us is pretty bitter and... Um, one of us is me. See, Connor is bitter because uh, the Rams sucked in the Super Bowl. Eh, you know. <laughs> At least we made it, Dan. At least we made it. Um, that was a weak Super Bowl. We had a little party here because it was before we opened. And we, we watched that one, too, together. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> we try and be good sports about it, but every, every once in a while, tensions boil over. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but that's a good question to ask. Do you guys have sports on, uh, on TV and uh, get people in here that way also? Yeah, I mean... We don't necessarily advertise as a sports bar, but we do have a couple TVs, one back here and one up in the tasting area. So, you know, definitely if anyone comes in and they want to watch something, we should be able to put it on for them. All right. So, very yeah, good. We'll just put on whatever, you know, if there's an Angel game or a Dodger game or something local, we'll just go with that. But No, no. Angels is so fine. Okay. Just, <laughs> yeah. Angels. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, here, you know? yeah. It depends who's in here. Yeah. It depends who's in here. If someone's a diehard Vikings fan or something. Yeah. Oh, Antonio. You must know Antonio. Yeah. <laughs> we have we have a friend who's a diehard Vikings okay. fan. He's yeah, from Minnesota. Technically, I'm a Vikings fan, but only kind of for fun because half my family's from Minnesota. But, oh, okay. You know, it's cool watching a team you have no expectations for because then you don't get upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. That is rough. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, well, uh, y'all uh, showed us a thing or two in that preseason game uh, this past week. So, yeah. you know, and Kirk Cousins will be in his second year, so it should be okay. You can tell it's like just about to be football season because like that's all we can think about right yeah, now. We're pretty excited. Yeah. So. In fact, you said the 24th uh, is going to be uh, when uh, we'll you guys have concerts have here and we'll have a really good food truck. I think we should have a new T-shirt and a couple new beers. Yeah. I'm doing two fantasy football drafts on that day, oh, okay. but uh, maybe after we're done oh, with okay. that, we should come over. All That'd right. be great. Don't drink too much at the fantasy. Maybe we should advertise that, too. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Come do your fantasy draft. That'd be good. The week leading perfect. up to the first game or something. Yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, it's been very fun. We want to thank uh, Mike Miller for having us one more time because this was a, uh, a very insightful episode in terms of talking about some of the processes and, um, again, some of these breweries that are, you know, just started out as home brewers and, and actually commercialize that and now make that their business. Um, you can really see and feel the transition and the scaling up. And um, I, I know for my for my part, that's where I've been learning a lot. That's sort of um, my uh, level right now where I'm, I'm sort of learning techniques and, and um, absorbing some of the techniques that these guys have been using. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, every time 
uh, I've said this every podcast, but you just learn something different every time we talk to you folks. So it's it's really interesting. I mean, there's always something more to learn from from everybody. You all, everyone has their unique style. No two breweries or two people that we've met have been the same. Um, so we appreciate your expertise on the craft, and we love what you're doing. And it, it's it's a fun industry, and we're, we hope your business does well, man. So Thank cheers you. to you. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a great um, reason to go visit all the breweries you can. Yeah. You never know who you'll get to talk to and meet. And, yeah. you know, always learn a lot of cool stuff and get a greater appreciation for the beer. Absolutely. Right, so more hops than brains here at Santa Ana River Brewing Company. And uh, come, uh, come. Yeah. You know, always learn a lot of cool stuff and get a greater appreciation for the beer. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of The Hollywood Growler. Uh, we were really happy to be at the Santa Ana River Brewing Company with co-owner and co-brewer Mike Miller. Uh, it was a really great interview. Uh, he, we did a couple deep dives into some uh, technical aspects of brewing, and uh, we talked uh, more about yeast and yeast profiles. Uh, but uh, the overall takeaway really should be that you should get yourself over to the Santa Ana River Brewing Company tasting room. They have a lot of great beer. And uh, they have a really great space, and they are always adding activities. Uh, they've got a Taco Tuesday. They've got rock and roll shows. They've got all kinds of things. So uh, definitely worth your visit. Connor? At this point, you can just call us the Yeasty Boys. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Okay. But, Mike, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it was a great time talking to you about the details that you put into your beer. And, you know, it's so organic what they're doing over there. Uh, they, they didn't start out with huge investors. They started out of a garage. They literally started going to events, selling their beer to different uh, people, just showing their product. And that's how they got big, is literally from people enjoying their product. And that's my favorite aspect of the whole interview, I think, was seeing how passionate and just, like I said, organic, really fun time. Yeah. All of, um, all of these brewers that we've interviewed are, are self-starters, um, for the, for the most part, but, uh, you know, some of them are really self-starters, like making stuff really from scratch, really making their business from scratch. Um, and this is definitely an example of that. So if you get a chance to go support Mike Miller at Santa Ana river brewing company, uh, you're going to love it. Um, it seems like they have a really laid back vibe. It seems like their regulars are uh, people who really support them and are also interested in um, crafts and musicianship and art and, and music. So um, if that's, if that's your scene, you're really going to like it. Yes, sir. Well, this is the Hollywood Growler. My name is Connor Simpson. I'm Dan Kern and we'll see you next time. Thanks.